May I speak in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do take a seat. It is a commonplace that we are always surprised at how fast children grow up, but given that we only celebrated Jesus' birth yesterday, it's some kind of record that here we are reading from Luke's Gospel about him being 12 years old. Well, if you can, please find our passage on your phone or on, in the church Bibles, which are on, and it's on page 971. Now, first of all, let me um, make, a, make a confession. Um, many years ago, um, in fact, back in the last century, I was a curate of a church down in Bristol. Um, this was a church that was really very high church, and I have to say it wasn't something I was very used to. So um, I made all kinds of mistakes in, in what were lo- uh, a wonderful three years there. Uh, and one of the mistakes went like this. I, um, as part of this church's midnight communion on Christmas Day, the minister leading the service had to carry, uh, there was a crib at the back of the church, and the minister leading the service had to carry a plaster figure of the infant Jesus and put it in the crib in a kind of procession at the back of church. And that was how the, ch- how the service started. And um, the first time I had to lead that service, I have to say my mind was full of all manner of things. And the organ struck up and a robed procession glided down the aisle of the large church and I set off at the back of it. Um, and as we reached the uh, crib, I realized to my horror that I had left the plaster figure of the infant Jesus back in the vestry uh, 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 at the other end of the church, about 50 yards away. What was I to do? I had literally forgotten Jesus. Well, what I did was I mimed the action. And thankfully, most of the congregation were far too far away. They couldn't tell what was going on. And my, uh, a very charitable colleague uh, then nipped back into the church vestry and rectified the mistake quietly later in the service. Now, that is a daft story about church ritual, but it links in with our gospel reading that Chris just read for us, because Mary and Joseph had forgotten Jesus. And dare I say, that is forgetting Jesus, one might say, is the besetting spiritual condition which each of us has to work with. Now, there's a few things to notice as we look at this passage. First, notice the structure of Luke's gospel. Chapters 1 and 2 are about Jesus' childhood. In chapter 3... He's an adult, and the rest of the gospel is about him in his 30s. And the focus of the rest of the gospel is on the adult Jesus. What we've got here is the end of the kind of prelude to the the, the main feature, if you like. This is setting us up for what is to follow. And notice, too, how this verse about... Um, uh, Jesus in the temple mirrors an incident that happens at the very end. This, these verses at the start of Luke's gospel 
mirror the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus at the end of the gospel. In both, there are two disciples who were baffled. In both, there are two disciples who are unable to find Jesus and are surprised when they do eventually encounter him. And notice, too, about the culture which we're dealing with in this reading. This is very different from English culture. And for most English people, and it may be interesting, uh, and uh, this church is blessed by a range of nationalities. And if you're from a different nationality, you may be able to sort of think about how your your own culture fits in with compares to English culture or with this culture for in English culture usually we relate closely to quite a small number of people our close family and friends now Jews in Jesus's time would go off with very large groups of people with big extended families and, and bigger communities beyond that and they would go off every year to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And that's what this reading is about. And so the children in those communities will kind of orbit these huge extended families. And so it's not surprising that Mary and Joseph Joseph don't see their son Jesus for quite a while, because that's fine. They're in this huge extended family. They're not engaged in some kind of really neglectful parenting. Rather, this tells us about how the culture of Jesus' time is really very different to the culture of contemporary England. Now, with that background, let's zero in on verse 49 of Luke 2. This is the key point. And notice, this is the first time that Jesus speaks in the whole of Luke's gospel. I had to be in my father's house. Here are his first recorded words, and they are significant. They center on his awareness of his unique relationship to God, his Father. I had to be in my Father's house. Here is the explanation of who Jesus is and also of what Jesus has come to do, his mission. He is in his Father's house because he is about fundamentally his father's business. Jesus has a depth of relationship with God his fa- the Father that is unique. But his mission, his business in, on earth, is that all who have faith in him can have access to that same relationship with God the Father. Because Jesus is the son of the Father, we can be adopted sons and daughters of God the Father too. This is where the whole gospel is heading. And going on from that, we need to think, therefore, of if Jesus had to be in the temple with his father, what might be the temple, the father's house, for you and I? It could be where those who are gathered for worship in person are today in this church building. One member of this congregation said to me just a couple of days ago how she finds real peace as she enters this building. 
That's true for many others I know. But of course, in these days, not everybody can actually access the church building. And in the early church for several centuries, there were no special buildings set apart as churches. The church met wherever it could. It had on occasion to meet in secret. But Christians still talked about the temple. What they meant by that phrase was Christian community rather than a building. They meant the fellowship that is at the heart of Christian faith. It has been very hard over the last two years to sustain fellowship due to the pandemic. But sustaining fellowship, sustaining that part of the temple is vital to the Christian life. We might say it is one of the essential vitamins for a healthy spiritual diet. You cannot, you cannot be a Christian on your own. It is simply impossible. It is a bit like saying you can play a football match on your own. It is, by definition, a contradiction. So if the temple is in part to be defined as being in a Christian community, how do we do that? One new thing that will start in January is an expansion of what are called life groups at St. Barnabas. These are small groups that gather to study the Bible, to pray and support one another. They're both fun and vital in the Christian life. And there will be a new way of meeting for them in the church building for those who can't meet in a home. And also online for those who can't meet in person. And I urge you, if you're not yet in such a group, to have a chat with Lindsay Goodhue about joining one. And as well as the temple being a building, and as well as the temple being a way of talking about Christian community, we could also think about entering the temple as a way of talking about prayer. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus stresses and speaks of his father's house as being a house of prayer. So when we stop, even if it is only for a moment, to pray, we are in some sense entering the temple. And once we are there, we can know God's presence. There is a beautiful old prayer that starts, lighten our darkness, Lord, we pray. I think it's a wonderful winter prayer. How about finding time this Christmas to sit somewhere quiet and be still and use that phrase, lighten our darkness, Lord, we pray. You might use that phrase to pray for yourself and whatever troubles you face. You might pray for the street in which you live, for your loved ones, for this town. Let me finish. Christmas is a time, a moment to ask whether we, like Mary and Joseph, have taken our eyes off Jesus. He may have business which is different to ours, which we ignore, ignore as we are wrapped up with our own stuff. And when we sense we have lost him, 
we will need to hunt for him in the temple. Be that the building of the church, be that the fellowship of believers, or be that in the work of personal prayer. And we will need to not give up until we find him again. Jesus is about his father's work, which is often not what we would expect. All Christians will have to wrestle at at some time or another, like Mary and Joseph, to understand who Jesus is. We do need to ponder these things like Mary. And as we ponder them, we'll need to head for